Welcome, everybody, to our live Q&A show. Uh, we do this every Tuesday night. Um, this is with our Outbox, uh, Outbox, <laughs> Outside the Box series. Uh, we're doing, we do a, a Q&A with uh, our Outside the Box physician, um, otherwise known as the Common Sense MD, uh, Dr. Tom Rogers. What's going on, man? Hey, man. How are you? I am wonderful. I'm making sure that we've got everything uh, on record, and we've got some people here. Uh, guys, say hello. Um, hope everybody is doing wonderful. We've got a great show lined up uh, with some amazing questions, and uh, and it seems like you're energized. We, we chatted a little bit in the green room uh, before starting, and you're ready to roll. I, I know that. Um, I will... Go ahead and, and, and mention to everybody who's with us live, uh, go ahead and if you, if you have a question for Dr. Rogers, um, put that in the comments. Uh, hello, Anna. What's up, Mike? Uh, Dad, you'll love this. Uh, Mike leaving the hall is with, is, is with us. He's in the <laughs> building. Um, we, of course, love... The president. I call him Mr. President. The president. <laughs> Uh, if, if you Mr. have president of the if, men's health network, if you have any men's health qu uh, questions, he is a great resource. Uh, hello, Jessica, Anna, what's going on? Mark, what's going on over on, on YouTube with some great questions. Um, we're going to go ahead and, and, uh, and rock out. You ready? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Here we go. Okay. The first question is, do you perform food allergy testing? If so, what does that process involve? Um, we do food sensitivity testing, which is a little different than food allergy testing. When you think about allergy testing, you're doing really skin pricks and uh, what they call RAS treatments but um, or tests. But what we do is food sensitivity. In other words, we're not testing for foods like you eat a peanut and you break out in an anaphylactic reaction or a rash or something. These are delayed food sensitivities that we draw. There's a couple of different labs we use around the country, but it's really a food sensitivity is different than an immediate reaction. Um, an immediate reaction, you need to test with a different method with an allergist. But these tests we do are more like delayed food sensitivities. In other words, um, you eat a certain type of food and two days later you have brain fog or your stomach's upset or you're just not sure why you feel so tired or why you can't lose weight. That particular food does not go along with your system. And again, the first thing we always look at is gut health. A lot of times um, you're able to tolerate foods that you're pretty sensitive to if your gut's working well. Um, but uh, so we do the food sensitivity testing here in the office, um, a couple of different companies. All it is is a blood test. Insurance doesn't cover it, but it's not all that expensive. Um, so, yeah, if you're struggling with brain fog, um, what foods I can't tolerate and a lot of times it's surprising to me um, sometimes the foods you most are sensitive to are the ones you crave the most so um, don't get the test unless you're willing to change a few things but um, good question 
Uh, you, you froze up there just a, a tad bit, Doc. I'm going to um, uh, ask you to repeat uh, that last part when you said that there w- you'll notice um, there's a few things that you're sensitive to, and, and it's like a delayed thing. Um, I'll follow that up with just is, is this similar to like doing a food journal where you write down what you eat and then writing down how you feel later on? You can do that. This is just a lot more scientific uh, measurement of how you reacted to that kind of food. Um, It's an interesting white blood cell test. So it is a blood test. So it's going to be a lot more accurate, I think, than writing things down. Sometimes you can just try an elimination diet on your own and just write things down. Sometimes that's useful, but um, this is just a little more scientifically based. What, what does it mean when you say a white blood cell um, test? Because I, I, I know we run the, you know, the ALCAT test, and I know that's, they say that. It's the white blood cell count. What does that mean? Well, that's your white cells or your usual, the part of your blood that fights infection, and they're really inflammatory cells that come to help repair things. So... Um, when you get your blood drawn, they extract the white cells and the, the white cells are then put in a different food medium mm. and see if it reacts to it. Um, interesting. It's kind of technical. Super interesting. Well, we certainly appreciate that question. Uh, hello, Amanda. Lisa, what's going on? Uh, Anna, what's going on? Um, let's see here. Uh, next question. Got just a few great questions that I think is going to help a lot of people here. Um, okay. Do you treat fibromyalgia patients? And if so, what treatments have you seen the most success with? Sure. I treat them. I mean, any, any primary care doctor treats fibromyalgia all the time because it's so prevalent. The problem is when we term somebody as having fibromyalgia, it means we don't know what the heck they have. It's just a junk term that when we've ruled out rheumatoid arthritis or osteoarthritis or you know some of the other autoimmune diseases it's typically defined as you have months or even years of of muscle pain it's not really in your joints so much as it's in muscles and they move around you have these trigger points that move around in different parts of your body Um, so the diagnosis is really one of exclusion and it's and it's just so hard to to pin it down so therefore it's hard to treat i mean you can you know uh try a lot of different things and we certainly go outside the box to treat fibromyalgia um and if you listen to my podcast this week on um, autoimmune disease and lyme disease a lot of times it's um you know, maybe have an underlying infectious cause like Lyme disease or any of those cousins like Bartonella, things like that. Um, so it it definitely requires a workup. I mean, it can make people's lives miserable because they hurt all the time. And they're labeled as kind of crazy because it seems like there's always a psychological component to fibromyalgia. It's much more prevalent in women for some reason. Um, but... There's a lot of different ways we treat it. I mean, you can start out with, you know, your herbal things like curcumin and and then you can use your non-steroidals if the pain's bad. I certainly wouldn't, you know, go to a pain clinic or get on 
pain pills for fibromyalgia. That'd be the worst thing you could do. Um, I was at a lecture one time. Uh, this was many years ago, a medical meeting, and we had a famous rheumatologist that was lecturing uh, from Stanford. I'll never forget what he said uh, because he was talking about all the various um, arthritis and all that. And, um, the topic of fibromyalgia came up and he said, um, there's only really one cure for fibromyalgia. You could see everybody getting their pens to write down this stuff. And he goes, exercise. <laughs> so, um, certainly movement and exercise helps it, but you know, that's kind of a simplified version of it. I mean, we've used antidepressants that are sometimes effective, especially ones like Cymbalta that seems to affect pain more than it does depression. Um, if we have to go the medicine route, you know, I like to think of myself as the blend between traditional and alternative. And so I, I like to use anything that really is effective and it's safe. Um, but, you know, fibromyalgia is a serious problem for a lot of people. So I would say rule out underlying infectious processes. Uh, make sure you're getting a good night's sleep. You got to move. Um, I love infrared saunas. Um, I love yoga. I love meditation. Um, I love curcumin. Sometimes I'll use low dose naltrexone for this. It kind of tricks the brain really into releasing its own endorphins that seem to help. Um, sometimes I'll do IV um, high-dose vitamins that seem to help. Um, physical therapy, uh, good massage therapy definitely helps. Um, you know, uh, dry needling, acupuncture. There's a whole host of treatments for fibromyalgia from medicines to manipulation to all kinds of things. It's just a difficult problem, but I would say rule out an infectious cause if I was telling you something today um, that may be causing it, like maybe even Lyme disease. Well, um, you mentioned you mentioned in this week's article about um, you often, when approached with something that seems autoimmune or something like that, uh, going with a, a month of doxycycline, that, I'm assuming that wouldn't apply to, to this, or am I totally yeah, off? Yeah, it would. It no, would? it would apply to that. Yeah. Okay. It would apply to that. Sometimes I'll do that empirically, meaning with you know, you don't have a a concrete reason by doing it, yet you want to see if it works, if it's safe. And a lot of times it does work. So and that means you've got an infectious etiology to that. So fibromyalgia, the thing doctors hate more than anything, walking into their office, uh, because it's got no diagnosis, it's a guess. And the treatment's so hard, there's always a psychological overlay with it, et cetera. So, but, so of course, we deal with a lot of it. Um, but uh, dry needling, which I mentioned, somebody asked a question. It's kind of like acupuncture. Uh, Ernie Dixon, my physical therapist here at PM, does it all the time. It uh, just involves uh, putting needles into the muscle and sometimes running some current through it. Very similar to acupuncture, except it doesn't really follow the meridians that acupuncture does. So, uh, good question. Super interesting. We'll go go on to the next one here, Doc. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go with this one. 
what can I do for heartburn instead of taking Prilosec? Uh, good question, because I don't like the prolonged use of Prilosec, Nexium, Omeprazole, um, any of those things, because they're really only indicated for two weeks of therapy, um, unless you have something like a Barrett's esophagus. But, you know, it just cuts out too much of the acid in your stomach. And um, so you re really want to find the root cause of the problem of your GERD, reflux, heartburn, whatever you want to call it. Um, so look at the foods you're eating that may cause it. Certainly don't lay down after eating. You may have a lower esophageal sphincter pressure that allows some of the acid and food to come back up into your esophagus, causing a lot of discomfort. Um, so Prilosec works, but I would just use it under extreme conditions and then intermittently, not forever. You wouldn't believe how many people take that for years and years and years without even realizing that it can cause you osteoporosis, uh, can incre increase your chance of getting C. diff, a serious bacterial infection in the gut. It can affect your brain in adverse ways. It can disrupt that microbiome uh, or gut bacteria. Um, so um, one good thing, you know, look at what you're eating that can cause it. Citrus foods, coffee, chocolates, um, spicy foods, greasy foods. Um, so that's the first thing to look at the foods you're eating that may cause it. Uh, make sure you get on a good probiotic, preferably digest shield that has all the other great stuff in it. Um, and, you know, one thing you can do, a lot of times it's really not too much acid in your stomach. It's too little acid. So you can really, there's a cheap way of doing that besides putting a scope in your stomach and measuring pH. And that's getting a tablet called betaine, um, which is a really hydrochloric acid. And if you take one and you get heartburn, you know you have too much acid in your stomach. But wait five minutes, take another one. If you have heartburn, you probably have too much acid in your stomach. If you take a third one, and you don't have heartburn, then you probably don't have enough acid in your stomach. And so the key to that is finding out how many these pills, you betaine pills you can take. Say you take five, and then on the fifth one, it causes you heartburn. And that tells you you should take four of those things before you eat a meal. And it'll put enough acid in your stomach to digest your food. That's a cheap way to, to check your pH of your stomach. Uh, so it's not always too much acid. Sometimes it's too little acid. Um, but I have a lot of people that say digest shield works. Certainly, you know, if you have a lot of heartburn reflux, certainly get a Pepsi to complete uh, or, and try that before you get on too much Prilosec every day for months or years, because that's certainly going to, you know, thin your bones and, and probably cause you a lot of harm down the line. So uh, just think about your gut health. I hope that helps you on that one. That is, um, is super fascinating with the betaine. And, um, and if, if anybody in here, we've got a few people in here uh, on the live, if anybody in here is on Digest Shield and is loving it, can you, can you let us know? Um, we, are, we are looking for uh, testimonials. It's one of our, uh, one of our favorite products. Um, we're looking for testimonials for it. Um, we are going to give, we're giving away free bottles of Digest Shield for people who are willing to give us a testimonial. 
Um, so uh, you can put in the comments there. I'll reach out to you, or you can um, direct message us on Facebook, uh, Instagram, or uh, emails. So thank you for that in advance. And we're going to get to this last question. If you have questions for, for Doc here, go ahead and put them in. Um, this is the last one we got from the week. Okay. Um, I suspect I may have an inflamed appendix. Will the Cleveland Heart Panel show inflammation markers related to this, or should I have an ultrasound or other imaging done to confirm this? Um, well, certainly the take it from somebody who's had their appendix out. Um, it's very painful, and there is a, a kind of a chronic inflammatory condition of the appendix. Um, my surgeon brother and father, when he was living with Bote, just get your appendix out. But the Cleveland Heart Panel does show inflammatory markers, but they're not specific for the appendix. Um, to diagnose that, you really need a CAT scan of your appendix. That's the confirmatory x-ray on that. Um, and they do that routinely. Uh, if you go in the emergency room with right, right lower quadrant pain, that's a routine test. They'll get a white count, use your white counts elevated, which is an inflammatory marker with a left shift. And um, then they'll get a CAT scan of your appendix. It's almost, you know, ne they always used to never do that. It wasn't available. Um, but now it's almost malpractice if you don't get a CAT scan of the appendix, if you go in the emergency room with suspected appendicitis. Um, so, uh, so no, a Cleveland Heart's a great panel, but it's not going to be diagnostic for appendicitis or chronically inflamed appendix. Is there uh, such a thing as a, there, so there is a thing as a chronically inflamed appendix? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Subacute, yeah, it can get infected and kind of wall itself off. And, you know, there's been cases where they've cured it with just antibiotics rather than going and. Interesting. And, uh, I wouldn't suggest that unless you're with an experienced uh, surgeon. Uh, but a uh, great question. Cool question there. Um, all right, guys, we're going to start diving into the uh, comments here and, and answering some questions. Um, we're going to be here probably for another 15, 20 minutes. So if you, if you have a question for doc, go ahead and put it in. Um, we'll go with, with Mark over in, uh, on YouTube first, um, has a, has a COVID question. Let's see here. Uh, in India's COVID-19 second wave, all age group of children, even below one year are getting infected. And then, uh, he goes, what prevention methods do you suggest for, for children? And I'm assuming this is, um, in regards to the second wave of COVID in India. Mm -hmm. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, they're having a terrible time with it over there. Um, they have a lot of people that live in India, the close quarters, um, and COVID is highly contagious. Um, usually children aren't much risk for dying of it. They can certainly get sick from it. Um, but I'd certainly take vitamin D over anything. I mean, vitamin D is, the mainstay of prevention and one of the mainstays of treatment of COVID. Um, you know, I, I would uh, certainly use vitamin D. I'd probably use a little bit of vitamin C in them too. In, in the, in the children? In the, yeah. And the kids is per, prevention. Go, um, go, go over the, the dosages. Cause we had a, we had a great question, I think last week or the week before about, uh, vitamin D doses in kids. Um, what, what's your suggestion for parents who are wanting to 
put their kids on D? Well, um, again, I check with your pediatrician beforehand, but um, I would use the drops in the kids and for anybody under two, it usually comes in 2,000 drops or 2,000 units per drop. So I, in real little kids, uh, you know, 1,000 to 2,000 drops in age five or so, you know, go up to about two to three. And, and you know, for periods of time, you're not, it's going to be very hard to overdose on, on vitamin D. And the only case I've ever heard of overdose of vitamin D were children whose parents were told to give their kids vitamin D drops. And instead of, of a drop, they did the whole dropper full. Mm. Uh, so be careful about that. But, um, you know, um, vitamin C certainly about 500 milligram for kids, but, um, I hope it India turns around and yeah. gets some herd immunity. It's it's awful right there right now. We have a, another um, COVID question from from Mike. Uh, Mike asks, um, "I'm a COVID long hauler. Any advice for restoring my energy levels and my fuzzy memory due to the virus? It's been eight weeks since I was first diagnosed. Uh, also, is vi- is visiting a long hauler clinic worth the time? Great question, Mike. Um. Yeah, long collar syndrome, maybe one out of three may be affected. Those various symptoms, it can certainly affect your heart, your brain, your kidneys, um, your digestive tract. Um, I don't know. I, I haven't seen any long hauler clinics around this area. I know Mike's in Knoxville, but, um, you know, um, certainly vitamins and I, a lot of times keep people on ivermectin for a while, uh, which I take prophylactically. I've been doing that for eight months to prevent COVID. Um, but certainly I would stay with fairly high dose D, C, and zinc, quercetin. Um, I'm giving a lot of people IV nutrients uh, for that. Um, I'm looking at some of their lab. I'm checking labs on all of them to make sure they don't have anything screwy going on with their liver or kidneys. Um, I'll, I'll listen to their heart. A lot of them are chronically short of breath. Sometimes I'll treat that with bronchodilators. Sometimes I use steroids. Sometimes I use colchicine. Um, but I'm going to take a course uh, at the first of next month, the whole two-day course on long hauler syndrome uh, from my functional medicine fellowship deal. So hopefully I'll learn a lot more then. And because I just change all the time about COVID long hauler, you know, we're in the early phase of this. So um, I'll tell you one thing that really helps is to cut out all processed foods and go a really clean diet, uh, drink a lot of water, use your infrared sauna to sweat things out work out a lot, but do moderate workouts, not heavy workouts. Um, I said, drink a lot of water, which is a great detoxifier. You're basically trying to detoxify your system. If your liver is involved, I'll use milk thistle. Really watch your alcohol usage during this time. Sweat a lot, um, exercise, but don't overdo it. Um, and maybe get some lab work to see, make sure everything else is okay. Uh, make sure your hormone balance is okay. People that have normal hormone balances tend to do much better with COVID. Um, so I hope that 
answered your question. Come in for, for some lab work for sure. Yeah, is uh, prophylactic uh, ivermectin or hydroxy effective in, in long haulers? Are you still keeping people yeah. on? Okay. We are. Yeah. All right. Thank you for that, Mike. Hope you're feeling better. Um, and let's go to, hello, Edna. How's it going? Um, we'll go to the next question here. Uh, Ravonda asks, hi, are there any ideas how to stimulate the sense of smell after having COVID-19? Taste returned, but not smell. Um, you know, one thing about it, if you've had any, if you had any of that before COVID or if you really have a hard time with it, sometimes we'll get an MRI of your head just to make sure nothing else weird is going on. Probably not, but um, it's, we've just seen people lose their taste or, and our smell for months, but do the things I just mentioned and hopefully I'll have maybe more good ideas um, in the coming months uh, or month when I take that course uh, that's going to have all the worldwide experts in this. So this science of the long hauler is evolving. Um, so we'll just do those things we talked about and most likely you're going to get it back. Um, what we, what we might do is, is have a, a COVID long hauler specific, uh, Q and a session once, once you've completed that course, it sounds like there, there is a lot of questions around that. Um, yeah. so kind of stay tuned for that guys. We'll, we'll, um, we'll keep everybody posted. Um, okay, let's get to the next one here. Let's see here. Um, Lisa asked, my mom is having so much leg pain. She went from walking with a cane to using a walker in one week, um, inpatient, but in, in PT, but not good results. Um, let's see, maybe that wasn't a question. Lisa, if you have a question, uh, let me know. Maybe I'm not reading that right. Um, so I'll move on. I don't know if, just... it's, if it's what happened or I don't know if it's post-surgery or okay. COVID illness, who knows? I don't know. Um, at least you can put in the comments there if, if there's any more to that. Uh, let's see here. Let's go to Brian. Um, zinc upsets my stomach even with food, but you recommend it for both COVID prevention and for those of us on uh, testosterone replacement therapy. How necessary is the zinc, and are there certain types slash brands of zinc that are easier on the stomach than others? Really good question. Yeah, some people can't tolerate the 50 milligrams of zinc. Uh, certainly, you got to take it with food, or you'll get really nauseated. So move down to a 30 milligram tablet. You can probably tolerate that. Um, they even have zinc lozenges that you can get just to have dissolve in your mouth. Um, I've used that some, and, um, if I ever get, got sick, I would suck on those throughout the day, just a few times, but, um, zinc picolate, I think is a good form of it. If you want to try that one, but try to just go to the 30 milligrams instead of the 50 and see if that doesn't, isn't better tolerated. Definitely taken on a, on a, with some fat. It's, it sounds, it sounds like though you're saying zinc is pretty, pretty vital. You, um, yeah, it's definitely vital. You need zinc. Okay. Okay. Thank you, you for zinc. that, Brian. Uh, sounds like 30 milligrams there from, from 50. I'm going to go ahead and answer this question for Anna because we're actually getting a few of these. Uh, just to, to clarify, Digest Shield is Gluten Shield. Um, they're the same thing. They went through a name change, uh, I believe, a month ago, a month or two ago. But, uh, but they're the same thing, Anna. So if you're taking Gluten Shield, uh, the next bottle you get will be digestible because uh, it's the same same thing. 
right, let's see here. Um, okay, is there a... Oh, okay. I'm, I'm with Lisa here. Is there a test or would um, dry needling help? This is with the leg pain um, question. So her mom is having leg pain. She went from walking with a cane to using a walker. Um, she's not having good results. Um, what what can she do to kind of... Um, I guess it's as if dry needling would help with leg pain. I'm still not sure if it's an orthopedic problem or why she's having problems. It could be circulation. It could be orthopedic, musculoskeletal, it could be back disc. It's hard to say. Okay. Uh, one thing I would recommend is you see Ernie Dixon, our physical therapist here. He's so experienced and so good. He's the one that does the needling. So if you're not getting help uh, and you're not sure of the diagnosis, see Ernie. Hmm. If you live in the Tri-Cities area. All right. Hope that hope that helps, Lisa. We'll go to uh, other Lisa here. Um, does high doses of vitamins to prevent COVID affect kidneys? Um, and people that have uh, history of kidney stones, taking vitamin C can maybe precipitate a kidney stone. I've seen that happen before. Um it shouldn't if you're taking, uh, you know, the normal doses. Of course, you can if you if you're taking really high doses of uh, any medicine or even any high dose vitamin, you can get a simple dirt cheap blood test to see how your kidneys are being affected. But in the doses that we're recommending, I've never seen that happen. So doubtful unless you have some underlying kidney disease from hypertension or using too many uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories or you have diabetes. Or, but it's easy to keep an eye, an eye on your kidneys through a blood test, but probably not. Okay. Thank you for that, Lisa. Um, Gwendolyn. Hello, Gwendolyn. Uh, thank you for being here. Uh, do you still do the Boston Heart Panel? And if so, will it show any changes to the heart due to COVID? We can still run the Boston Heart, but we the Cleveland just covers it a lot better. And uh, I just get the Cleveland shows everything and more. Um, and changes to the heart, yeah. I mean, if make sure you uh, when you draw that Cleveland that you include a uh, a BNP. It's a it's a lab test that shows heart failure. So it's certainly very beneficial to get the Cleveland inflammatory indexes, everything. So certainly it'd be a great thing to get after COVID, especially if you're not uh, recovering well from it. But make sure there's a BNP on there because that's a heart failure test. Um, plus the inflammatory markers we'll look at as well. Have you seen any, um, any Cleveland's, uh, post COVID and the results change. I know you check uh, Cleveland on people generally around once a year. Um, have you noticed any, any any changes or test anybody uh, who's who's had COVID? Well, a lot of people check it twice a year, especially if they're in problems and need to see the improvement. But um, I mean, yeah, I mean, you look at your inflammatory markers, see if it's affecting your kidney or liver. Certainly, it's a great test to get. Um, all right, Thyroid. guys. Thyroid, it can throw your thyroid off. It can throw your hormones off. COVID can do some weird things for your, your hormones overall. Well, I, I'm excited about um, the the long hauler um, you know course you're taking, and 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 like I said, guys, we will we'll do a specific um, segment for that. Uh, it sounds like within the next uh, month and a half or so. 
Um, it looks like that's all the questions. If you if you have any more, I got about one more minute. Um, let's see here. I got one more. Okay, here we go, Brandy. I'll get you in here. Uh, this will be our last one of the evening. Uh, thank you to everybody who has uh, mentioned Digest Shield or Gluten Shield. I'll, I'll reach out to you guys. And, um, and like I said, we're giving out free, uh, free bottles of Digest Shield for um, if you'll do a testimonial. So I will reach out to you guys. Thank you so much. And uh, if, you, if there's anyone in here who um, has, is on Digest Shield, has taken it, and has loved it, um, we're looking for testimonials. Uh, we're trying to spread the word about gut health. Uh, so thank you in advance. All right, Brandy asks, any suggestion as far as supplements for post-op bruising and swelling? I had knee surgery last week and have swelling and bruising all the way from hip to foot. You know I'm elevating in ice and using a TENS unit, applying vitamin K lotion, arnica, and lavender. Um, anyway, so what's your supplement re recommendations for something uh, like that? Well, she's covering it all. I mean, certainly the arnica we use and use it both topically and orally and lavender is a great thing for post-op um, uh, bruising infections and also works really good with scars um, it's a great anti-inflammatory um, so all that is really good and you may look at um, Make sure your vitamin D is good. You won't heal as well if you don't have vitamin D. Um, and, you know, cut out sugars and processed foods, which I know you do. Um, avoid taking aspirin and uh, maybe fish oil right now or vitamin E uh, that could affect your bleeding times if you're having too much bleeding. Um, so those are, I mean, you're already on top of it doing all the things I would do. I'm in K lotion. Um, remember, as my surgeon dad always told me, all bleeding eventually stops. <laughs> so Brandy's a nurse. She knows this. So. Uh, Brandy, I, I, I hope that helps. Um, guys, thank you so much. We're going to, we're going to, um, we're going to call it a day there. Um, we appreciate everybody hanging out with us this evening. As a reminder, uh, we're doing our Mother's Day specials all week long. Um, we're running our deepest discounts of the year along with Black Friday week. Uh, we do them twice a year, and this week is one of those weeks. So you can call any one of our offices in Kingsport, Johnson City, or Knoxville. We're running those specials. Uh, hope you guys will, will take advantage of those. They're there right in front of you on the screen. Um, and, uh, we're doing the morning show with Jen and Ben, uh, Jen and Ben will be back uh, tomorrow morning at 9am. We're talking all things motherhood, uh, as well as we're going over some of the specials and answering any questions you guys might have about those. Uh, thank you in advance for all the, uh, kind words about digest shield. We're going to, uh, reach out to you guys and, and hopefully get everybody some, some free bottles of digest shield. If you're, if you're enjoying it and it's helping you. Um, and guys, till next time, uh, we're going we're gonna to shut it down. We will see you guys next week. We do this live Q&A show every single Tuesday at around 5.45 to uh, 5.30, 5.45. Uh, we will be back next week, and uh, we appreciate you. Love you guys. See you all. Thank you. Don't go away.
Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.